This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not provided as financial, legal, or any other advice. The information is not investment advice or an offer to buy or sell any securities or make any investment. The views expressed by guest speakers are their own and any reference to third-party products, services, or information does not constitute an endorsement thereof by SNN or its affiliates. SNN expressly disclaims all liability for any individual's use of the information presented in this podcast. My guest on the show today is Nathan Mazurik, Chairman and CEO of Pioneer Power Solutions, Inc. It's a publicly traded company. The symbol is PPSI on NASDAQ. Pioneer Power Solutions, Inc. is a leader in the design, manufacture, integration, refurbishment, service, and distribution of electric power systems, distributed energy resources, power generation equipment, and mobile EV charging solutions for applications in the utility, industrial, and commercial markets, according to the company's website. I first met Nathan prior to our conference, Atlanta Microcap Showcase Vegas in 2023. And since their presentation at the event, the company has announced numerous orders for their eBoost and eBlock products. I invited Nathan on today to discuss the company's progress as well as better understand the distributed generation and EV charging markets, eBoost and eBlock product differentiation as compared to their peers, and Nathan's three to five year vision for the company. With that, please enjoy my conversation with Nathan Mazurik, Chairman and CEO of Pioneer Power Solutions. Nathan, thank you for joining me today. How are you doing? Mm, pleasure, Bobby. Great to see you again. Great to see you too. So look, the reason I invited you on here today, and we're recording this on uh, Wednesday, December 13th, 2023, is that you know I was we first met prior to our conference in Vegas, presented in Vegas. I think you had a decent uh, showing in Vegas. Um, Great. Recommend the conference. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. But since then, the company has really started to, in some ways, hit some of the inflection points that we talked about in that first interview. So, you know, I wanted to bring you on to do a full encapsulation of everything going on at Pioneer, as well as what folks can expect or, you know, obviously from what you can tell us. So to start us off, Nathan, this is a question I ask everybody on here is the first question. How would you describe Pioneer Power Solutions in one sentence? Yeah, I mean, we're we're a make we're a manu- you know designer manufacturer of uh, specialty electrical equipment that is uh, attacking the uh, distributed generation and the uh, EV charging market. Very good. So let's take a look back at Pioneer Power Solutions history. You know, when was the company originally founded, and what was the original thesis for its founding? Yeah. So, I mean, we could go way back or whatever it is, but basically, you know, Pioneer became a public entity at, in December of 2009 uh, when we merged a liquid fill transformer business, uh, sort of a specialty transformer business that we had. That time we were doing about $40 million in revenue, super profitable business, no debt, merged that into a shell um, at that time. And that became uh, that became the public entity. Um, went up onto the, that was 2009, I think it was 2011 when we uplisted um, onto the NASDAQ and been on the NASDAQ since. Uh, for the first several years of our life as a public company, we rolled up a bunch of other transformer businesses. That became uh, the single largest piece of our business. Um, probably by the t- by 2019 when we sold the transformer business we were over a hundred million dollars most of that uh transformer related along the way 
Um, we had acquired a small, small switchgear builder in Los Angeles, not even acquired. We basically acquired a, uh, a facility, built it from zero, uh, built the business there from zero, um, and an engine generator service business based in Minneapolis. So when we sold the uh, transformer business in 2019, we had, I would say, you know, sort of an uneven run as a, as a public company. Uh, we were more traditional manufacturer of industrial, you know, electrical equipment um, being measured sort of, we were growing with, you know, GDP plus that was sort of the profile uh, and felt that uh, be better for us to uh, to redeploy cash in a different way. Sold the business for, sold the transformer business for $67 million, paid off whatever debt we had, paid taxes uh, on the gains that we made. And we were left with these two small businesses, uh, a little gear builder in Los Angeles that was doing about eight, $9 million a year and an engine generator service business doing about $8 million a year. Entertained all kinds of uh, possibilities, uh, EV manufacturers, energy storage, you know, wanted to merge into us. We were super clean. We were on the NASDAQ. We had, you know, more than $10 million of cash and, and two operating businesses. Um, didn't, instead of, instead of going that route, um, we decided to kind of invest in ourselves and what we saw happening uh, in the market. And the first uh, the first investments and the first moves paid off for us are paying off, you know, earlier and faster. And that's with the uh, Los Angeles-based gear business. Uh, we had developed in conjunction with, with a couple of customers, developed a product, which we then later uh, branded as eBlock. Uh, essentially, it's uh, we integrated an automatic transfer switch, circuit protection, and controls uh, into a compact outdoor package that acts as the basic traffic cop uh, for any user using more than one source of power at the same time. So there's not a, a situation of backup power and moving, you know, in case of a failure, but it's a user for 99% one of one or both reasons or two, of two reasons. E either they don't, ex they can't get enough power from the grid or they don't, they expect not to be, they anticipate not being able to get enough power, um, or they want to save, uh, they want to save money by generating their own power in conjunction with a standard kind of a grid connection. Um, and what started with very, very large users of power, you know, oil refinery, chemical processing, and things like that, um, where, where, the cost of the electricity is an important input into their cost of sales. Um, technology and the market kind of developed, uh, and we developed with it, coming up with this much smaller profile type solution. Um, and it became feasible to market this to retail, hospital, um, we'll go through the verticals. I don't think there's any vertical that we haven't touched uh, at this point, um, because they want to supplement uh, their power for either of the two reasons or both that I gave you earlier. Um, that business, you know, if you look at just the Los Angeles facility, um, you've still never stopped by, even though, the, you know, it's not a stone's throw from you. But, um, you know, we did 8.8 .8 or something like that in, in 21. Um, we did 18 million in 22. 
that's running to do about 35 million just out of that same building, same number of people. I mean, and it's all being driven by eBlock. Um, at this point, we've touched um, data center, uh, water utility, uh, automotive, aerospace, uh, almost any large commercial slash industrial user of power is a target. Um, we market the product directly. We market it through a lot of channel partners who are providing um, what the alternative source of power is. I would say probably in over 80% of the applications, the user is uh, is going to be using some form of natural gas engine, large reciprocating engine to provide them supplemental power, but we've done it with fuel cells. Solar plus battery is becoming uh, even more popular. Uh, we've done a few this year, and I expect that to be a big driver going into uh, 2024. So that's the e-block business. On the other side, we did uh, we, we kind of came up with an entirely entirely new business model there for the engine generator service business um, in June of 2021. Uh, we came up with the idea for a mobile charging, a high-capacity, high-speed mobile charging business, um, which we which we branded eBoost. Um, we unveiled our first prototype in November of 2021, so exactly two years ago, um, or almost exactly two years ago. Um, and that business did about a million dollars its first year, uh, which first full year, which would be uh, in 22 did probably closer to 2 million this year in in a little bit more in in 23 and we expected to do over 10 million dollars next year um and what we expected and what i expected it to do and, and where it plays uh probably didn't didn't pan out in, in more than 50 percent of the cases it's it's a much more robust wider um uh intense market than i expected at all you know we thought of it I thought of it more in relation to passenger cars and dealer networks and gas stations and AAA, and it's been embraced as as a solution of choice. Uh, for for first the first big users were truck and bus manufacturers for their electric offerings, um, either directly or indirectly through their dealer networks uh, to improve uh, their marketability and chances of moving their platform of buses or trucks. Um, and that's where we are today. And, and there's no turning back. Very good. All right. Well, thank you for that full overview. You hit on quite a few questions that I wanted to ask you. So you you did my job for me. I appreciate it. You know, but I guess my first follow-up would be, you know, looking at the competitive landscape and the value proposition of PPSI solutions, what would you say makes your solutions unique and different compared to some of your peers that are also in the market? Yeah. So, I mean, they're different on both sides, you know, on, on the e-block side, um, you know, what we did was really integrate something into a very small, uh, more, uh, I guess, more economical, smaller profile package uh, that one could keep outdoors. So today you could go to any of the major electrical equipment manufacturers, Schneider, Siemens, whomever your favorite is, ABB. They could give you what I call a deconstructed type solution. They can give you an automatic transfer switch. I mean, you'd have to engineer and lay out what you want, give you the circuit protection, no question, do the controls. Um, we're offering that all uh, compacted into one physical unit. Um, we're less expensive, takes up less room, and that's not even factoring in you know the cost of, 
of installation. It's able to go outdoors. Nobody wrecks their inside um, or interior work and so forth. And, and at this point, I've encountered, but we've probably done close to a thousand, if not more than a thousand uh, installations. And, you know, the, the best advertisement is, you know, no fail and, and, you know, no problems in the field. So, you know, you could come up with anything you want. Now you got to make it work. These are all no fail type of situations. You know, we cannot fail. The, the user is banking on using that, uh, that power. They're banking on the controls doing their job. They're banking on the protection systems doing their job and, and the transfer schemes, you know, so, um, that's that's what it is. Gotcha. So let's let's also look at you know I, I opened it up with saying you know uh, since we first talked uh, earlier this year the company's hit a couple of inflection points. You know I think the main notable one that if anybody pulled up your you know Q3 2023 report is uh, you know uh, profitability right for both uh, the three months ended September 30th as well as the nine months ended compared to the previous year uh, where you guys were operating the law. So can you go through some of the inflection point as to how you guys finally, you know, turn, turn the corner and now are profitable. Yeah. Uh, you know, and thank you for bringing that up. I mean, we're super proud of that. You know, the, the goal is to be profitable and continue to be profitable and more profitable, you know, every year. So, I mean, that's what we're doing. Um, but yeah, I mean, part of it is scale. Uh, you know, we were small part of it was that was the uh, really acceleration of the e-block product from a volume point of view. It's not a cookie cutter, type product, but we really were able to, um, and we still continue and we expect to continue in 24 as well, get tremendous operating leverage. And you know, we really didn't hire more, you know, engineering project management, you know, we've had to upgrade personnel, but as far as number of humans, very little increase as we've almost, you know, doubled, you know, more than doubled, you know, the overall business in the last 18 to 24 months. So we get the benefit of that. Um, we're, we're, you know, we were selling a lot of legacy type product, which was less profitable. Um, we're, we're pretty much focused on value add product, which is the e-block product and it's related product. Uh, sometimes the user will ask us to do other things, um, but you know, it's all related to the, to the sale of the e-block unit. So that's improved the margin picture dramatically. And, you know, of course, experience is, is a great uh, is a great educator. So the more we do, the more efficient we become. So we're in, a, in an unbelievable position of sales accelerating. Our cost of sales is, is diminishing. So our margins are improving uh, with this growth and, and the profit continue. We expect the profit to grow. That's the that's the mission. Absolutely. So, you know, focusing on, you know, e-block and e-boost, it also seems that you've been finding more use cases for these different products. Where was that driven from? Or was it the market coming to you and saying, Hey, we could use this. Can you give us right. a solution? Right. So, you know, and everybody asks, and I'm, I'm glad you raised it, you know, so some of it, some of it was us, meaning we had our first success with retail. Um, so, you know, that, that works. We see it's a compelling proposition. It started with supermarket and, you know, mass merchandiser and, you know, they're, they're a multi-location typically user and this works great. Um, so we tried to imitate it. Um, other, other uses, you know, came either somebody saw something or somebody was connected to something. Um, 
you know, we, we got our first data center order. We got our first order from the California Department of Water Resources, which we disclosed um, and, and so forth. And then we realized that, you know, what's going on with water utilities, the, the dynamic is the same as is going on with, with other users. They don't want to be grid bound. They want to supplement, even in the case of water utilities, manufacture all their power themselves if they can. And, and this product became part of what's helping them reach those goals. Um, and when we learn from that, you know, then we try to I mean, what, you know, what about the other water utilities? You know, there's a world beyond the California Department of Water Resources. There's a, there's a world beyond, you know, the seven supermarket chains that we've been dealing with and so forth. So it, it's been both. Um, in the case of what I call solar microgrid, that was an example, admittedly, where the market came to us and I actually rejected them probably, you know, nine or 10 months ago. Um, same idea. Um, there are large um, enterprises, national enterprises that basically go to your strip shopping centers anchored by, I don't know, 7-Eleven, Jersey Mike's, Chick-fil-A, you know, choose your, your neighborhood and your locale. Um, going to them, you know, here we can help you put some charging in the, uh, in the parking lot um, and your supplemental power will be solar plus battery you know, basically sort of a solar microgrid in conjunction with their utility feed and whatever business proposition, you know, they make with these people, you know, everybody's different. Um, they came to us, you know, can we have basically a stripped down e-block, meaning what you're doing, you know, is for huge loads. These are smaller loads, but the, but the genetics are the same. And I kind of I kind of resisted that at the beginning because, that would mean a way, way lower ticket price per unit. We'd done so much to kind of go up upstream. This was kind of coming down. Um, but these guys were very persistent. Um, and we were able to, uh, our team was able to come up with almost a standardized set of, of units for them um, that would meet our requirement from a gross margin point of view, meet their requirement to give them a value proposition that, the, you know, that that's economical for them. We also brought in one of the large multi-billion dollar electrical distributors. Um, they act in between us. So we're not taking any kind of credit risk. We're not uh, handling the logistics to, you know, 40 different Chick-fil-A sites around the country, which is, which was really, you know, have us add a lot of people for not a lot of value. So it, that this is working out. Um, we've gotten a significant amount of uh, purchase orders from them already probably deliver the first ones in the first quarter of 2024, but we look for them to probably be in 24, five to 10% of the projected volume, which, which is a lot for us. You know, another point that, you know, in doing a little deep dive on, uh, on PPSI is, you know, looking in the, in the presentation deck and seeing a couple boards that, that PPSI is being talked about, you know, let's clarify, you know, you're not an EV play. Right. Like, let's should we or or do you want to be known as that or you have EV? Let, let's let's clarify a little bit there. Right. Because I'm sure that yeah. comes up sometimes. It, it, it does come up. And, and you know, you know, you you want me to be transparent, of course, which we always are. You know, EV EV charging infrastructure, even on the E block side is a is a big is a big driver for us. There's no question. Sure. You know, uh, they're they're big users of supplemental power, um, primarily. Uh, the ones that we're having success with are those that are developing charging infrastructure specifically really for trucks, um, 
for the freight, whatever their particular model is. Is it a drayage model? Is it a certain corridor between ports and, and certain high, you know, high, high volume metro areas or whatever it is? Um, they, they don't expect to get enough power and they can't, they can't take the risk. Of, of not being allocated enough power from whatever utility or utilities in most cases that they're dealing with across a large, a large piece of geography. So they're putting in, most of them are putting in you know, solar plus battery type as their supplement, not their backup. That's, that's what they're going to do to supplement the power. You know, their business model is, you know, 24 hour days, people are trucking 24 hours, 24 hours a day. We're going to, provide you power no you know with no no stress 24 hours a day so that's definitely been a big driver um and frankly on the truck and and school bus side we don't see any any slippage uh in that demand um so that that's been that that continues you know these projects we're loaded in 24 actually working on 25 with some of the large developers of this kind of stuff um so that's definitely a driver. Are we all EV? And, you know, probably, probably twenty percent of what we're doing is is EV related at this point. So it's it's definitely an important market for us. All right. So I guess we'll put you on the EV panel in Vegas. All right. Okay. My pleasure. That, that was yeah. the that was why I was asking. Really? No. Yeah. Our, our <laughs> pleasure. I, now you know on the e boost on the e boost side, it's all EV. You know, we're Not charging. Right. It's a mobile charging system. To truth be told, it's a lot of trucks and buses. But as we've announced as well, you know, VinFast was our first big passenger. You know, that that deal is over a year old. Um, you know, they've re-upped um, looking for more. So, I mean, that was a case I never could have foreseen, you know, that a foreign manufacturer is going to be bringing in that I could have foreseen, but that, that they're going to be bringing in electric vehicles and need uh, very fast mobile charging at the point of entry into the United States. You know, they're at the port of San Francisco, they're at the port of uh, Long Beach. They need to be charged. The vehicles are coming in dead. They need to be driven to wherever it is that they want to drive them. Absolutely. Very good. So another uh, point, and apologies if I'm jumping around, but there's one thing that also came up that uh, from the Q3 is the backlog. You know, you mentioned that you uh, you announced this back on June 30th, 2023, about the backlog of 33.6 million. And that's effectively unchanged uh, for as of September 30th, 2023. Can you tell us a little bit more about the backlog, how the company recognizes revenue once, you know, some of these projects come online? Can you give us a little color there? Two two different things. Um, You know, backlog has always been consistent really since since December of 2009. Maybe we should change it at some point, but it's... Backlog for us is anything that's got a non-cancelable purchase order that we expect to ship within 12 months. That's backlog to us. So if we we book a job for for the middle of 2025, even with a non-cancelable PO, we we won't put it into the backlog. Typically, that's what's been going on. Pipeline's not backlog. Award is not backlog. I love you is not backlog. You know, none of that is is backlog. Um, you know, non-cancelable purchase orders is is how we operate. Otherwise, it's not a it's not a fair reflection. Um, um, at least for the market, it's not a fair reflection. Um, yeah, we expect that to continue to grow. It's it's a fairly good indicator of where we're going. You know, if the backlog is going to slip a lot, I mean, you know, anything can happen quarter to quarter. We're still small, but the trajectory, you know, should continue to grow. Um, I don't have any rules of thumb yet. 
you know, because kind of the gestation period and, and the, I guess, the, the cycle time of a lot of these jobs are a little bit different than when we were doing transformers all the time there. You know, the rule of thumb used to be, you know, double your backlog, which is going to be where your sales are going to be for the next 12 months. That's kind of not the case. Here's a little less than that. So, I mean, that's a long-winded answer. Revenue recognition is, you know, we follow whatever gap in, you know, SEC accounting, you know, wh whatever is correct for 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 revenue recognition. We don't have anything exotic or anything like that. You know, we're 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 receiving progress billings on large jobs, but we we recognize the revenue in accordance with gap. You know, and you know, you talked about EPS as well. You know, the EPS. The positive EPS that we've been announcing, you know, year to date and the 10 cents that we announced in the third quarter. I mean, that's all gap EPS. That's not any, there's no adjusted EPS. We don't do adjusted EBITDA. We don't do any, you know, financially, you know, alchemy type numbers out there. This, this is, this is what it is. You know, if somebody wants to drill down as to what the real cash flow is, we're happy to help them determine that. But uh, th this is what we're about. All right. So here's my favorite question that I love to ask everybody on here, you know, and, and I think this is probably very appropriate for you guys, because I'm sure you get so many folks, not so many, I don't want to say it like that, but maybe you get a few folks that are like, all right, I heard Nathan's presentation. Okay. Maybe I heard his, his, his conversation here with, with me today. What does Pioneer do, you know, or what's going on? Right. right? So I'd love to ask when, after the presentation, doing a one-on-one -on -one with you and kind of doing a little bit more of a deep dive, what do investors still get most confused about with Pioneer Power Solutions? Or maybe we can address some of those frequently asked questions here. Yeah, I, I, you know, the most confused, and I'll take all the blame. You know, I don't, I, I, mean, I probably don't mess. No, you've been doing a good job, but it's, it's, you know, or or you, or, you know. Drone on, or or don't get to the point, you know, quick enough. <laughs> no. You know, every everybody understands the e-boost business. That's mobile charging. You know, whatever whatever it is, whatever you think it's going to be, it's when your Tesla, you know runs out of juice and you're stuck or it's the school bus or it's rescue or it's this or it's you know even off-road type infrastructure ground service equipment at at uh, at airports or watercraft that's going electric everybody needs mobile charging that they can either understand more or less and ask you know reasonable questions you know on the other side it's really distributed generation it's somebody that's that's wants to generate their own power to some extent. As soon as you want to actually in parallel, you know, coterminous with your main feed, which is, you know, 99% of the time, some sort of utility feed that the user is getting, uh, that's where eBlock comes to, to be helpful. If you're building a new you know, you could be building a new factory, you know, with a huge electrical load. If you're going to just rely on your on the on the grid system, there's very little value for us to add. You know, can we give you straight up circuit protection equipment? Sure. So can Schneider. So can Eaton. Hopefully more cheaply and with, you know, better looking personnel than, than we have. So, I mean, you know, enjoy it, you know, and so forth. This is for the user that's looking or or concerned about their own power needs. They're going to manufacture, generate their own power with a natural gas engine, with batteries. We've done, you know, fuel cells. We've done three different sources um, for, for particular users. You know, they'll want batteries when, when the, the load interruption or the frequency change is small, and then they'll have their natural gas generator in when they think that there's a more sustained window 
for them to benefit or that they're concerned about. Um, that's where eBlock is. The eBlock product, product doesn't generate any electricity. It transfers, controls, and protects. That's all it does. Very good. So, you know, other than let's just say execution risk, because that that's a no-brainer, you know, obviously everybody that is the number one risk for every single company that I have. Every here. day for us. Yeah. yeah for, right. For me too. For you too. Right. <laughs> I got to do right. a good interview. I want people to come right. back. Uh, right. But, you know, in, in your opinion, what would you say are some of the, the company's downside risks outside of execution risk, of course? Yeah, you know, um, you know, our biggest competitor is the, is a customer or a, or an industry, you know, ability to do nothing. You know, you don't have to. You could just rely on the grid. You don't have to have a mobile charging system. You know, you can just wait for for whatever fixed solution you think is going to come. So that that's our downside. Our downside is is somebody doing nothing. There, there's. I don't want to say there are no solutions that compare to us. We we don't have a head to head problem with solutions on on either side of the business on eBoost. We're the only one out there. This is a mobile solution of any type you want, the only high speed. You know, are there people doing battery type solutions? Yeah, we'll do the same too. We'll, we'll unveil one uh, hopefully in the first quarter as well. But that's for a very specific use and user. I mean, you know, it's it's a lot more money. It's a lot less power. And it's got to be plugged in, you know, 50% of the time somehow. To you got to recharge it somehow. You know, we're we're generating our so we don't really have it's the we compete with the ability of the user to to really just wait. Very good. And, and just curious, you know, just to clearly address that risk as well, just taking it a step further, you know, why why would a company just be like, all right, you know, we'll just, we'll work off the grid right now for, when, you know, you're coming in with the clear value prop for why they shouldn't be, but why, why, why would right. they say no during that time period? Yeah. The, uh, either it's, uh, you know, they don't want to take the capital risk. They don't want to spend the money. I mean, we, we don't work for free, you know, even if somebody's in between us, somebody's even leasing it or whatever, somebody else is financing it for the particular user. You have to be convinced that this is a long-term Thing that you want to do is going to benefit your business. Otherwise, you're 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 either taking on a liability or spending actual cash up front um, for a proposition. Well, may, you know, you can always make the argument to wait. Let's wait. Right. What's going to come out? You know, and you know, I can't, I can't fight that. Absolutely. How do you stay ahead? You know, when it comes to, get, I mean, this is actually more. I'll, I'll ask it like this. You know what? What would you say is the company's strategy to maintain profitability while still focused on growth? And within that, it seems that the company has to make sure you're always reinvesting in R and D to make sure you are staying ahead of the curve to help those that are yet will wait for something better. But like, well, we're already invented it. That kind of idea. Right. So like, like, to yeah. Hear your I, thoughts I, there. I mean, we we try to create direct culture. You know, starting with me and the senior team. You know, we live in a in a nonstop state of paranoia all the time. That, <laughs> that you know, we're we're missing a window. We missed an opportunity. We we didn't address something um, properly. Uh, we think through. We argue about things internally too. You know, some things. You know, our our solutions that you know, would would distract us, waste money, or at least we perceive it wouldn't be the best use of people's human capital, you know, actual money and things like that. So these are the normal business things that we all 
you know, have to decide, you know, what to spend our, our time and efforts on. You know, if the if there was if there was a hydrogen solution that could be competitive or even close to competitive with what we do on the e-boost side, we'd be doing it. You know, we're adaptable, we're agnostic, you know, but the user, you know, you talk about sticker shock, it would be sticker coma that they wouldn't come out of. I mean, it would just, it, it won't help adoption if the price is so high. Um, same on the e-block side, you know, we try to not just have the best solution and, and adapt, you know, with the best components, but keep it as competitive as we can. You know, otherwise, yeah, you will we'll win a few, but adoption will slow. Right. All right. Well, you know, Nathan, I'm, you're, it's my final question for you. You answered everything. You kind of gave a full overview, the risk, the, all that. So, you know, from what you can tell us, where, where would you like to see the company in three to five years? And what would you say are the inflection points that'll get you there? Yeah, I think, you know, every year has been, you know, if we take big blocks, every year has been a big inflection point. You know, this year has been the year where the e-block solution really found itself, you know, both in, in terms of the of acceptability and, and as far as volume, and that's feeding on itself. So that was a big inflection point. Next year is the big inflection point for eBoost. You know, where's this where's this platform going? You know, we expect it to have a monster year. You know, big revenue is not enough. It's got to become the answer uh, for mobile charging. We don't see that market stopping. You know, when we first came out with everybody said, oh, in five years, everybody will have fixed infrastructure. I don't see it for 10 years. Um, and then we have to be ahead of it there, too. You know, what can we do? The same way we we keep adapting the e-boost uh, genetics, you know, to solar microgrid, to this, you know, what's going on? Where is a user? we got to do the same thing on the e-boost side. You know, what's next? Maybe you want to do it in your house. Maybe you want to generate your, maybe you want to charge, you want to be able to run a, run a natural gas engine 24 hours a day uh, in your house because it's cheaper, safer, whatever it is, um, we need to be there. All right. Well, Nathan, we're, we're there, man. So with that, okay. where would you like our audience to go and find out more information on Pioneer Power Solutions? You know, you can go to our website. Um, you can go to our in investor relations people at Hayden IR, um, to Brett Moss and his team, um, myself directly, our, our CFO, Walter Mahalik. Uh, we're always available. Or they could come uh, meet with us in person and uh, at Planet Micro in uh, in May. Is it going to be in 2024? April 30th through May 2nd. That's okay. Right. There you go. So yeah. <laughs> very good. And that's uh, PioneerPowerSolutions.com. Nathan, right. thank you so much for joining me today. Really do right. appreciate it. All right, good luck. Bobby. Stay safe. And you I'll too. Have a great holiday. To our, you too, man. Look forward to our next update. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not provided as financial, legal, or any other advice. The information is not investment advice or an offer to buy or sell any securities or make any investment. The views expressed by guest speakers are their own and any reference to third-party products, services, or information does not constitute an endorsement thereof by SNN or its affiliates. SNN expressly disclaims all liability for any individual's use of the information presented in this podcast.